even though I don't recommend it for everybody, but if you're, if you have to decide between a premium subscription for your profile and paying for ads on your page, you could probably better do the premium subscription. It, you, you would get more benefits from it. So of course there are some exceptions, but I think that's, that's a major difference between Facebook and LinkedIn. But the biggest difference is that LinkedIn is just a little bit more serious. That's a failed opening. <laughs> good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to a brand new edition of Social Confos. I'm your host, Shalip, together with my co-host, Diego. And Diego, you got something to do right now. Yeah, so early announcements. We have our YouTube channel. If you're not following Social Confos already, follow us or subscribe on YouTube. Just search Social Confos. And we're also on Instagram at Confos, C-O-N-F-O-E-S. So give us a follow there for things to come. And speaking of Instagram, let's speak about the topic of today. Well, opening topic of today. There's something new that's been rolled out, I think, in the past week surrounding Instagram. Yes, the past week. It's not even available in Africa. The new, quote-unquote, Twitter killer, as we've had so many killer apps in the past. So what can you tell us about Instagram threads, this new initiative from Facebook? I have to be honest. I can't tell you a lot. I can tell you why people, including myself, were hesitant so far to use it. And this is weird coming from a social media person, but I actually don't find it surprising anymore coming from someone like you or just, you know, individuals like us in general, when these new apps come up. So, but okay, sorry so to I'll, cut you I'll off. Tell, there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it's, it's weird coming from, because I'm, I would say adequate follower and believer of Gary Vaynerchuk and right, right. Vaynerchuk's theory on these kind of things is very simple. It's, it's get in early, have, get in early. You have an early mover advantage, first of all. But more importantly, you have to understand the functionalities of the app and to see whether or not the functionalities of the app are new and or new things that you have to adjust to, to be able to understand, which will come across in all new applications. So that's, that's the first reason why I believe you, as, as a social media person or as a tech person or a media person, you should eventually dive into it. And just because the early, not only the early mover advantage, so it's the early mover advantage and the fact that you need to know the functionalities and understand how it works because future apps will use similar concepts or similar functions. So that's the main reason. The main reason I haven't used it yet is due to the Facebook rules and regulations that I had a Pretty bad experience with Facebook Messenger. And actually, I'm not the only one who has had a bad experience with Facebook Messenger. What kind of bad experience are we talking about? So, and I, I want to get some, some, some people's thoughts in as well, because I see 
Doreen has popped in. So hi, Doreen. So feel free to add your, your comments. Regarding Question for Pretz. you, Doreen. Have Pretz you checked out Pretz? Because that's the discussion oh, right she, now. She definitely has. So she will probably join in the comments to tell how she has experienced Pretz so far. But I have a bad experience with Facebook Messenger. And the bad experience I had with Facebook Messenger surrounds the fact that if I had it on my mobile phone, I could not log off. So I could switch between different accounts on my Facebook Messenger, but I couldn't log out. I had to delete the app on my phone in order to be able to log off, which eventually I deleted both Facebook Messenger and Facebook for my phone. And I no longer have those two apps on my phone. And I've seen the new, I don't know if you've seen the new statistics and it might be a first, but I'm up it on the screen, but in the latest, latest rankings of biggest social media platforms, actually Facebook Messenger has gone down a lot. It oh. used to be, yeah, it used to be like in top five and it's slowly going down and slowly losing hundreds of millions of users, actually. So that's a very interesting thing. So why do I bring up the whole story about the Facebook uh, messenger story because with threats, it's connected to Instagram. Correct. So with threats is connected to, and if you search on threats.com, it's actually something completely different that's, the, that's, tr that's considered to be threats. So there's already some things that are like, when, when we look at meta, Facebook bought Meta, so they could take the name Meta. So that's the intro. Facebook actually yeah, the the, the branding approach Meta. was like really thorough with Meta. Like yeah. before they, yeah. so they, they took they, over they, the rebranding. So years ago they bought they bought Meta, and then when they rebranded and people were searching, but wait, wasn't there already called the company? They realized like, oh, Facebook actually bought that company. But with Threads, it seems different because Threads.com is not owned by. Instagram. Yeah. And if, if you go to threats.com, they, they put a sticker on there. We are not associated with Instagram. Yes. So yes. what is so this already have, So there's already an, an issue there. So somehow or one way or the other, and I've, I haven't done thorough research on this, Instagram threats is basically threats is an app that's an Instagram app. And with this, I'm not sure if what I just mentioned plays a role into this what I'm about to say, but threads is connected to your Instagram. So in order to delete your thread account, for you have people, to delete order... your Instagram. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's linked to your Instagram. I think that's one of the first, you know, reactions I saw online with that dissatisfaction. The moment you opt in for threads, it's basically you, you, you can't opt out of the future, out of Instagram anymore, because it's like corely embedded to your Instagram account. Yeah. So it's basically a log. And if you stop using threads because you get tired of it, you have an empty account that you cannot, or you, you have an inactive threads account, which you cannot delete because if you delete, you delete Instagram. So that's a reason why people are hesitant. And Doreen is saying, you know, you can actually deactivate threads. But the, the question that is going on and what most people are saying, you can deactivate threads, but you cannot delete threads, meaning 
you can't actually delete your account unless you delete Instagram. So that's yeah, an you're still logged into the ecosystem. Basically. That's an that's an interesting conversation, and I haven't jumped on. One reason is because I haven't figured this thing out. Doreen just said you can deactivate. You can probably also delete your old threads if you want to. So have an empty, if you have an empty thread account, then it doesn't really matter that it's a, an active account or a deactivated account. But that's one reason. But the second reason is maybe a little bit more interesting. And that is I've decided to actively post on social media. And I started with TikTok and Facebook. And with actively, I mean we're daily postings. And I was about to say, I've, I've gone through your Facebook timeline. I'm not sure if it's the page or the personal account. And I have seen the daily posts. Yeah, the page. The page I the have page. seen daily posts. And like, yes. even though it didn't show up in my feed, but yeah. uh, I was just checking to see. And yeah. like, oh, when did this happen? When does this happen? It just happened two days ago, Diego. It's very recent. So, uh, and there's a reason for it. And Doreen is actually interesting that she's joining in Gio's episode because one of the reasons is the organic approach. I've taken the easy route over the past couple of years with Facebook advertising because Facebook advertising was rather cheap. And I decided I would never advertise for page likes, but I was willing to advertise my content for one dog a day. And I did it, I haven't done, I, this was before COVID, by the way, we're talking at least four years ago. I used to post and then I would post and advertise $1 a day because, and this is something that comes back from social media marketing world as well and speaking with Billy Jean. Billy Jean is marketing, who is very big on advertising. And he has a very simple saying like, Hey, if you're paying or spending an amount of time to actually make good content, why should a channel show it for free? So in other words, if you're spending $25 to make a Facebook post, wouldn't you pay another $5 to give it a, a couple of thousand people more reach? Mm -hmm. and I've used that approach for a while. But then when it started becoming interesting and I started thinking about the algorithm and one of the things about the Facebook algorithm, if you start advertising, you're going to be pushed towards advertising. And understanding how creators build their brand without advertising, I started saying like, okay, but still, you should be able to run a Facebook page or an Instagram page or a LinkedIn page or whatever, or TikTok. Or yeah, com YouTube. completely devoid of ad advertising, right? Yes, completely organic. It should be possible. It might be harder, but in the long run, you actually know, you actually know that actually people value the content. It's just not paid media. So it was an interesting thing. And that's, and that's interesting about Doreen. She's all about organic. But for me personally, the reason why I didn't know organic is because we wanted to show companies like, hey, you can get seen on social media. So with just the $5, especially in Suriname, you would get dozens of reads extra. And I'd get like 20, 30 times the engagement that you would get without advertising, just, just for a $5. And recently I started looking and I realized like, hey, but before the ad starts running, 
some pages have like zero engagement, like 50,000 followers, 10 likes on a post. And you see that happening with the bigger pages as well, which becomes interesting because then you realize, hey, it's not just the advertisement. It's just people no longer showing up in the algorithm. Right. And I think the most interesting case, and then I'm going to finish off my rant, is I follow Chris Ramsey. And Chris Ramsey is one of the OGs when it comes to YouTube content for magic. Like in the in the in the time That's frame a very of niche. COVID, yeah. yeah, in the time frame of COVID, like there are a couple of things that pop up. Tetris popped up, chess popped up, and magic popped up. Those are the three things that I started seeing in my timeline YouTube more than usual. Chess, Tetris, and and magic. And well, chess chess stay. I, I want to challenge yeah. that. Is it okay. like did you get any ad or just one suggestion and you like look yeah, at it okay. plus if, if, if something is very trending on YouTube they usually push a, a random piece of content towards you and, and the pushed. moment you click on it or just watch it for a few seconds your feed starts but populating here's where, here's where it gets interesting content. here's where it gets interesting both with magic both with magic and I, I, I can't fully 100% prove this, but I'm going to give you my take. Both with Magic and Tetris, the fuse dropped after COVID disappeared or mm -hmm. started, started becoming less, right? The fuse dropped. But with chess, chess is like one of the biggest pieces of content now that has continuously grown through during COVID and has grown after COVID. Of course, it coincides with the Netflix series, the, the Queen's Gambit, and those kind of things. Yeah, it does coincide, and I think that's but that's also it. COVID helped. A lot of people started playing chess, and youngsters took it up. And of course, it's a very old game, which became popular again, which makes it interesting. And there were already significant chess content creators, but also the chess grandmasters picked up creating content for chess as well. They immediately saw an opportunity there. But but I was talking about magic. And like with Tetris, I feel magic after the COVID, after COVID started going away, it lost steam. It doesn't come in my feed as much. I used to get Penn and, Penn and Teller, Fulas videos all the time, two years, three years ago. I don't get any of them anymore. And Chris Ramsey was one of the OG magic YouTube content creators. And he has over 7 million subscribers. But when you look at the amount of people that see his videos now, it's almost like the algorithm is saying like, okay, yeah, but it's not as interesting anymore. And he got motivated recently because he found out that Tom Holland watches his videos, like Spider-Man watches his videos. Yeah. And actually... So I got excited and spoke about how he watches the videos. I actually bought the stuff that Chris Ramsey was talking about. But one of the things that, that Chris Ramsey is, is dealing with, with a lot of creators deal with, is all of a sudden, you have to decide, are you going to make content that you like to make? Or are you going to make content that the algorithm wants to see? Mr. Beast has perfected. The second one. 
Yeah, I, I think we brought up Mr. Beast a few times, but yeah. I feel like Mr. Beast is an anomaly in this. No, but you because have Because he has, uh, yeah, kind of mastered the... He is ahead yeah. of the elegant, or, or he sets the stage so, for the so I have So I have to clarify this as well. When I say you got to make content that the algorithm wants, it's often content that your audience wants. Like it's, it's most of the time content that your audience wants. And at least the big, the largest part of your audience. And the interesting thing about when he started mentioning it and we look and I started looking as well at like, he has 7 million subscribers, but like a lot of people with 7 million subscribers get like around five to 10 million views on their, mm-hmm. their videos. For him, he doesn't. He gets a couple, maybe a hundred thousand on average or a little bit more than that. And because he's, he likes doing puzzles and like he doesn't only, and, and vlogs, and he doesn't only make content that people want to, want to, his majority of his followers want to watch. He also dives into content that he likes making. And that's the reason why I started this experiment. Because I already know what kind of th- content. I know two pieces of content that if I make that content, I could go viral every day. But after three weeks, or maybe after two weeks, I would burn out because it would take so much energy for me to make that content. And I would be typecasted and known for that content. Can you clarify what typecasted is? Typecasted is I, like... I, I'm, I don't think yeah. I'm familiar with the term, yeah. Okay, so you know Yuan Granji, right? Yuan Fernandos. Yes. Okay, he was one of the biggest YouTubers in Suriname. And at a certain point, he started going viral. He started getting like hundreds of thousands of views on all of his videos. But he was making parody videos. So it was like a popular song in the Netherlands or a popular song in the world and he would make... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, yeah. Yes. He would go viral. Blogs and websites in the Netherlands would start talking about him going viral. And basically, that was started being what he's known for. And then he just stopped. He stopped with YouTube for, for a year or a half a year. And then gotcha. when he had to come back, he basically had to start over again. From zero, yeah. Not necessarily for zero, but once you hit 200,000 views in, in a week on, on YouTube. No, but, but the kind of weird. I mean, getting yeah, the momentum have, and attraction. Get attraction back. So that's what actually today, also one of the reasons why I posted, it's okay to start over. Uh, and that kind of coincided with Chris Ramsey saying, like, I'm starting over. I'm starting a channel with something I like to do. I'm passionate about. So he's basically going to start another channel. He's not going to abandon the, 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 the main channel with 7 million subscribers, but he's also going to start another channel that hopefully gets him excited and positive as well. But for me, it's the same with the new channel that we just created this, which is content, Surinamese content that's focused on games and fun and stuff, which is also starting from zero. I mean, it only has like 50 followers on Facebook and like five subscribers or something. So that's, that's also starting over. So I, I want to share my observations like, okay. 
to Go drop ahead. parallel on your observations on YouTube. And I, I know we transitioned from Instagram threads to YouTube, but this plays into the next topic, the content rod. So you saw a lot of chess. Queen's Gambit had a big role to play in that. You saw a lot of magic. And what was the third one? Tetris. Tetris, right? Gaming. So yeah. Tetris, the world Tetris championship. In that period, yeah. it was like 2020, 2021, 2022. The only video I saw that's remotely close in one of those genres in my feed was David Blaine. And the only reason I saw David Blaine was he had a collaboration with Marcus Brownlee and a few other tech YouTubers. So, yeah. so the I tech didn't YouTubers, no, but tech YouTubers jumped into the magic. Now you didn't go down the rabbit hole by clicking on more magic videos that might have yeah. surfaced in the exactly. suggestion because you have a stronger mindset than I have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that, that's what I wanted to illustrate. Like once, you know, they... There's a lot of collaboration or once that when a hype picks up the, the really dedicated content creators see that early and they pick up on it. And what you'll notice is if you follow a certain genre or certain group of people that often collaborate, you'll suddenly see, even with podcasts, you'll suddenly see the same person in one or two weeks on every channel. I, I saw this with Alex Hormozzi. He was on Graham Stephan show. He was on Impact Theory, Tim Paris, I think. Like a, a, a lot of shows totally. And it's like a mass push of, you know, that if it's a, if it's a person, that type of content. But that then transitions into also what you mentioned, channels completely changing what they do. Because I remember some of the OG 2008, 2007 channels, like I think Niga Higa was one of the popular channels back then, Ryan Higa, because of his parody skits. And then he, he transitioned into a lot of, you know, short, short comedy videos. But in the past, like I think three, four years, he completely moved because he didn't make content for his audience anymore. And I think he's just streaming games now. So it's a complete shift in the type of content they, they create. But even with a like a decade track record of consistently creating, eventually they either hit a content drop, a wall, or they just burn out from, you know, repeating the content. I've, I've heard Graham Stephan talk about this a lot. Yeah. If you watch Graham Stephan's videos on, it's, it's a finance, yeah, it's not financial advice, but basically his take on finance channel. A lot of what he says, like 80% of what he says is the same thing in almost every video that you watch. So that makes, I have to say, that's what Gary, makes Gary Vaynerchuk great. Yeah. That's what makes him great because he's saying the same things for 20 years straight, but he's just continuously packaging, packaging it and packaging it in such a way. And that's the interesting part. And Gary probably deals with the same thing. He, first of all, is better at monetizing it. That for sure. That I have to. He's, he's a branding genius when it comes to that. But he's also somebody who I don't watch that often. Like, I'm a fan. I actually bought stuff from him, like shoes, books, and yeah. NFTs. And, and, I and bought the surprising thing is you don't, don't consume the content as much. I don't consume the content as much. So that's the interesting thing. And I do want to bring another thing 
because Dory is putting some great input here. So passion projects, and this is something that that has started a lot because and I big shout out to Jay Beer talking about Takia. Maybe we should get him on and Marcus Sheridan or talking about deep sea fishing. Maybe we should actually reach out to these to these two social media gurus to actually talk about about their new projects. Because I I noticed that like when you're an OG like Nika Higa, you have some advantages and some disadvantages. One of the advantages is like you're OG. So a lot of people look up to you. A lot of people, especially in the early days, you get a lot of traction. Yeah, that's but a then, legacy status basically yes. that comes with it. But the field has changed. Like if you look at, at content creators and influencers in the L, they have to often be very niche because you have to be very niche to, to stand out. And it often comes with certain brand deals that push you even more towards that, that direction. And just not just the brand deals, but your passion projects. And that's the interesting because I struggled with YouTube for years. I didn't know to do what my YouTube channel for years. And then the Lucky D show came, which is a sports show every Thursday. And basically that has been one of my most successful projects. Also because it's a passion project. Also because hundreds of people tune in to watch the show, give feedback, include, and it's really a community-based feel around people that like the same thing. And I think that's one of the things that in the early days, it was just trying to figure out how the platform works and putting in fun, entertaining content. And now all of a sudden, it's also like, okay, but you have to be passionate about it. And at the same time, you see a new group of creators coming saying, well, okay, yeah, but for me, it's just about the money. So I think we're going full circle. And what's happening is that you have to reinvent yourself continuously. And the decision you have to make is, do I reinvent myself in my same field? Do I continue the same road that I've been doing? Or am I realizing that it's not actually the thing that I thought was what made it fun for me? It's something different. And I can find it with other stuff as well. Yeah, so the last thing I, I, I want to mention on, on the reinventing, and this is a shout out to a few episodes we did ago dedicated on reinventing yourself, not only on social media, but on a personal level. So check that one out. But what I've also seen is a lot of channels, they've been around for years and you bringing up that very niche specific thing. It's getting more... I'd say prevalent. And once you can tap into the community or just one video reaches the community or, or gets into the algorithm, that video drives a lot of traffic. So for example, I follow a, are you familiar with the let's play genre? It's popular on Twitch now, but basically gamers just stream what they play and have yeah. commentary. So I, I follow two guys now. They started a journey with a new game that I play as well. But I also studied their, the history of the videos they had, right? And they were covering another game for years. Yeah. For years now, I think maybe five, six years. They, they even have a podcast. 
And their channel was like maybe 10,000, 15,000 subscribers. The views were very minuscule. And when they transitioned to the other game and they have high production videos and yeah. a podcast, it just took off. So it, it just goes to show, even though you can be consistent, having the right content and interest align with each other and some luck, of course, getting into that algorithm can yeah. have a huge impact because the so, previous game you are playing, but it's still more popular. But so because it's, sure how it's much so of, saturated. Or how much of luck it is. So it's consistency, again, but no, hitting the, the that. Facebook, the Facebook algorithm for me has been quite easy in the sense that it's very mainstream. There's certain topics that are just hit topics. Yeah, you don't no. always want to post the hit topics, especially in Suriname. You don't want to always show the hit topics because the hit topics, there's always kind of like somewhere there's a negative connotation. Like somewhere in there, it's always fueled by something that people could have a strong negative opinion towards. But I think that's a, it's a given, and right? Any hype topic no, is prone to a lot of no, it's polarity on, and controversy. It's, it's, it's more on Facebook because of how the platform is set up. And most people forget about this. Facebook from the origin is not an interest-based social media platform. So that's something most, it's, it's really hard to understand, but Facebook from the ground up, Facebook from like the pure, if you look at the basics of how it was conceded and how it grew up, grew up to be, it's never been interest-based platform. That's why Facebook hashtags never really took off. It's not an interest-based platform. Instagram, Twitter are interest-based platforms. Yes, YouTube I, is I, I can understand it. platform. So what happened with Facebook is that over time, and another thing that plays a role, it's really easy to, sh to share on Facebook. To? Share on Facebook. Share, yeah, yeah. Yeah? So it's easier to share opinions on Facebook. Okay. Yes, it's very easy to share opinions on Facebook. I, I, I get that. And especially here. Yeah. So what's the difference would you say, and I'm going to bring up threats again, but before we go into threats, in the statement that you just made, very easy to share opinions on Facebook, locally especially, compared to Twitter. Yes. Are you not considering that opinion-based either? Or, or no, but do you consider Twitter, that opinion-based? On Twitter, you don't come across it as easily because on Twitter, you start, following people based on interest. On Facebook, yeah. you don't start people following people based on interest. You start following them based on whether or not you know them. Yeah, so that's, that's it's, it's a very different, very small dif differentiator, like a very small distinction between the platform. Plays a larger role than people think. Facebook from tradition is you first connect with people you know. You also tend to follow people or companies that you know. Would you so, place LinkedIn in that same category? Yeah, but it's more business-like. So yeah, the major but... difference, no, but there's a major difference for LinkedIn as well because with LinkedIn, with LinkedIn, the content is a little bit more serious. The trolling is 
it's frowned upon, whereas yeah. Facebook, yeah. Facebook it's, is it's entertainment. cultivated. Yeah, yeah. no, Facebook it's, is it's, entertainment, so you will get trolling on Facebook, just people poking fun of other people that take themselves way too serious. On LinkedIn, people take themselves way too serious, and other people are used to seeing people take themselves way too serious and even support it sometimes. Whereas okay, with, I, I, I want to bring up, yeah, I want to bring up something from LinkedIn, and uh, since we're making it this Facebook and LinkedIn yeah. type of comparison, what do you think, or what's your take on the auto-suggested comments in LinkedIn? Like, oh, oh this terrible. is this type of post. Oh, terrible! And yeah, oh, terrible. So, care to explain? Okay, so so basically, LinkedIn has in order. So there are different ways, and, and this is also why it's so hard to have a successful social media platform, traditionally speaking, is because you have to incentivize activity yeah. on the platform. Because basically, so, the, the whole thing was hype, you know, you need engagement comments, and now the LinkedIn comment section is basically a one-click, instead of clicking the like or the insightful icon, is congratulations success on your new job and it's just a single click it, it doesn't come sincerely anymore and remember so, that it, this didn't start with comments this started with celebrations of uh, milestones like if you had a work milestone I actually people, don't remember that one but yeah if, if, you, had, sure. if you had a, a milestone it would pop up as a post it still pops up as a post if you have a milestone if you have been working for the same company for five years, LinkedIn will make it a post. Like, oh, yes, post, yes, yes, okay? yes. I, I, I and remember with those. that, yeah. you could like the post and comment on it. Or you could send a message. But the message was also pre-written. So I, it's gotten less, but still during any time I have a milestone, whenever it's October, I get people congratulating me on being at Ineffable for this amount of years. And these are standardized messages. And I would reply to all of them because it's a moment of engagement. But I feel with the comments, and that's the, the thing you're getting at with comments, it, it goes a little over the top. It, it goes because also there are people that are using it. And the people that are using it the most are actually people that run Instagram accounts for others. Before you bridge that relation on in yeah. the relationship with Instagram, yeah. what I've also gotten a lot lately maybe on on LinkedIn is recruiter DMs or service oh, yeah. DMs. Oh yeah. Like so I'm like Thinking to myself, how many are these are bots, mass campaigns just to personalize DMs, and how much of it is actually sincere? Do you, do you have any insight on this? Are you talking? Are you talking? Are, are, is it showing that it's advertised? Or are you just talking about this? some? Yeah. I, I have actually seen both. Some are paid paid ads, and some are not. Yeah. So, so I, I've, I've seen a fair fair share of posts. The, the, okay. If I see the ad icon, I don't, I don't even open it. Okay. I have to say, we, we advertised on LinkedIn quite a lot. And those type of ads didn't really do that well, to be honest. So right, there's a way to advertise on LinkedIn. I, 
I want to see if, am, am I the oddball or if it's just a no, normal no, no, reaction. No, no, no. So okay. It's a normal reaction saying like, we're not doing that. So actually, if, if you want to, that's what also makes LinkedIn interesting is that on LinkedIn, it's so much better to just use a profile compared to a page. It's, it's so much better for your branding and marketing purposes. And the reason for that, if you would get LinkedIn premium and you would pay monthly for LinkedIn premium, you would probably get better results on DMs to people you want to reach than you would get if you would advertise on LinkedIn. Yeah, that, that I yeah. can so, understand because that's, that's one of their big business models as well, right? The, the premium yeah, so, so it, it subscription. Just, the premium subscription, even though I don't recommend it for everybody, but if you're if you have to decide between a premium subscription for your profile and paying for ads on your page, you could probably better do the premium subscription. It, you, you would get more benefits from it. So, of course, there are some exceptions, but I think that's, that's a major difference between Facebook and LinkedIn. But the biggest difference is that LinkedIn is just a little bit more serious. The content's a little bit more serious. People are a little bit more serious. Facebook is just one big entertainment block. Basically. So yeah, that's, that's the whole difference. So, and do you want to be known as an entertainer? That's, that's yeah, the major question. That's really the major question. Do you want to be known as an entertainer? And if you want to be known as an entertainer, Facebook is perfectly the right place for you. So uh, then yeah. I want to throw that back to you as to, you mentioned, you know, you have a strategy now to post on. Facebook and was it TikTok, the other one? Yeah, TikTok. What's the the thought process behind that? Okay, so the thought process the, behind it. I know it's one, it's an experiment, but what, what's the out, outlook you're having for it? Well, it's a little bit more personality. I personally don't, I'm not big on celebrating things. So I won't be like, hey, it's my... Yeah, this my my marriage is so great, and I post pictures of my children. I do post once a year when I have my anniversary, but that's like the only post. But that post alone, that that post gets ten times more engagement than any other post I make. So if I wanted to milk it, if I was like, hey, I want to be get famous, I would post way more about my relationship with my wife. I would post way more about my children. Like if I would post a picture of me with my kids, I mean, it would get hundreds of likes, maybe even a thousand or even more. But I don't feel comfortable with that. Right. So I'm definitely not going to go that route. Other content that does really well is my text-only content. If I post, I actually, if I post text-only, I probably get a better reach and a better engagement than if I post official or a video. Yeah, uh, I, I actually noticed that. Yeah, and, and the Facebook algorithm has accepted that for me. Another thing that does interestingly well is if I share positive content about Suriname. So the post is not my own. I just share content about Suriname that, that is already going viral. And I share that as well. For some reason, the Facebook algorithm feels like, okay, you're so do you sure. feel like you've been, I don't want to say labeled, but the, yeah, the algorithm has profiled you, profiles yeah, you to a certain degree. Yeah. It's labeling. 
it's it's that simple. And and I'm gonna give you an example with with this, which is completely new. I posted two things on Sunday. I posted two posts about, and I switched it up. I did a, a photo with a link to the YouTube video, and I did a YouTube direct link to the YouTube video. Like, first of all, people don't know what it is, so they don't have any interest in it. But also, secondly, the algorithm is like, nah, we're we're just not gonna give this a second chance. It's if it doesn't go, I'm sorry, it's not gonna go. You got one strike, or you're out. And and I was like, okay, I just want, and I just, I was like, I just want to be sure about that my page is not completely dead. So yesterday, I posted a text only post, and of course, the comments are much more than the reactions. But it was interesting to see that. I actually still have reach on the page because that's mm-hmm. the, the scary thing, a really scary thing about Facebook. Your reach can completely disappear. If you st- spend a week of shit posting, like they call it, you can like completely destroy the algorithm on your page and basically nothing's happening for you. Anymore. Right? So that's, that's what's, that's why I say the algorithm because you can say like, yes, it's content that your audience wants, like Doris mentioned. But if it's too far off, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a bummer. And with TikTok, it's very different. With TikTok, I have no idea what works. Mm. I have an idea for companies what works and what they should do as companies. But on a personal, like yeah, I. And I feel like one thing that definitely works, and that works with our platform, is personalized stuff. So if it's something that I'm just speaking into a camera, or I would actually do a vlog, and I've seen that on on, on TikTok, that like my old vlogs, I decided to test it with my old vlogs. And I took some of the old vlogs and posted it on TikTok. And they go great. So that's a way that you can say like, okay, it's personalized. But if it's non-personalized content, oh yeah, it's it's most likely not going to do. But now what I'm also wondering, and this is a question for everybody watching to figure out if they want to experiment in this. And then we get back to Mr. Beast because he did this for years. But I'm trying to figure out whether or not it makes a difference if you post a TikTok from your desktop versus if you post a TikTok from your mobile. Mm. Yeah, I have zero insights on that. I don't even have <laughs> a TikTok account, I think. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's so those, these are things because, and, and this is for, for people who have been around for a very long time. Back when uh, third-party applications were a new thing, so there were a lot of like, you had yeah, the schedule thing, thing like buffer and, and, um, and at the time, feed. at the time, Facebook didn't have a schedule option, so you couldn't schedule for Facebook. But they had given, oh, they had provided the API, so third-party applications were actually able to schedule posts as well on Facebook. And what Facebook would do is, if you would post from a scheduling app. Your yeah, you get be like, lower. Your engagement would be like 30%. Yeah. That was insane. Th- that was a start. The first thing I noticed actually, like why the scheduling apps didn't 
even when I was still remotely interested in the online stuff. Yeah. But that's what that was one of the first things I noticed. That's why I never opted in for any scheduling type of app, yeah. even though it so was convenient. So the interesting thing is, and I just checked, I, I reposted a TikTok just to see the impact. See, here's... So here's, here's, here's an example. That one says like, TikTok doesn't really promote desktop posted TikToks. No one but one few with mobile, you get at least one or few. So that's an interesting thing that I've started noticing. So basically you're, as a, as a platform, you're kind of incentivizing me to do it from your mobile. But now I'm not sure if the reason why it goes better from your mobile is because when you post on your mobile, you're gonna go through TikTok and you're gonna spend time on TikTok as well. Yes. And so now I also want to figure it out. It encourages like, consumption. If I, if, I spend, if I spend like half an hour on TikTok and I post a TikTok after spending half an hour on TikTok, am I gonna get more engagement than if I just post without mm. on TikTok? So all these thought process. Yeah, is it correlated now, to your actively usage of yes. the, the, the platform? Yes. So that's where you, and, and that's also, and that's also where you're starting to see like the difference between a creator who does it like full time and a company, because a creator is able to because they want to monetize the platform and or earn a living from creating content on the platform, they're going to live on that platform. Whereas with business people, they always want like, okay, can you give me the tips and tricks for this year? Can you tell me? Because they don't have the time to spend that time on the platform to understand. They should have it, but they don't get it because they get swamped with others' work stuff. Yeah, no, that's a very, very interesting point. Like what I've noticed, like mobile-driven content and a lot of apps started like that mobile first and then they enab enable the desktop feature to do it. But TikTok, Instagram is like very mobile driven. I got to give you another one, another interesting one. So when we just started a new Facebook page and For this, I uploaded right? a video. Yeah, this. So, and I uploaded a video of it. And the video was, I think, 15 seconds. And Facebook immediately asked you like, hey, do you want to make this a real? And then they also say like, hey, pages with your size, they got 500 times more engagement if you post this video as a reel, if, if you do the traditional route. And I'm like, wait, what? And that's, that's, the, that's the extreme thing. So they have gone so much mobile because probably in Facebook, in the R&D department of Facebook, mm -hmm. they have realized like, hey, listen, and this is something that I tell all my clients. It's like, listen, 99% of the people that go online, at least for our country, 99% of the people that go online consume, content, consume their mobile on mobile. Not, it's not only mobile, but nine, so there's only 1% that still visited social media platforms on their desktop only. 99% I, I think I'm uses, one, what, a part of yeah, the 1%. When, when it comes to Facebook, <laughs> I'm 1% as well because I just explained that I don't know. So, but yeah, understandable. So, so basically they figured out like, okay, uh, for Facebook, it's probably around 90% as well. 90% of all 
Facebook consumption is, is on mobile devices. So, hey, we need to optimize for mobile. And then you get to all of a sudden YouTube realizing like, hey, wait a minute. We've been sleeping on this. And they're we're, short. We're the video platform. And that's where the shorts revolution began. And, and then, it's only growing rapidly. Like, man, shorts is a rabbit hole. Like a lot of main channels that I follow every few days when I check my subscription list, you see a batch of shorts yeah. in the list. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is like you have channels now that have that grown. are short only. That, that are that shorts short only. only. Because they get so much more traction from shorts than their full-length videos. So I think that's that's what's insane about it. It's like, like you're looking at this. I, I, I don't know like, how, like last example before we close up. I don't yeah. know how. Like there was a short of, I think, uh, and I'm not even interested in fashion as much, but it was even targeted to women, I think. But somehow it ended up on my feet. Maybe someone watched something with my account. And... It's like 10 seconds of a girl in her room, just like well edited though, well edited shorts with amazing transitions, just trying like three different outfits for a dinner occasion. One, two, three, which would you pick? That, that's the whole short. And it had like millions of views. And like, then it just keeps showing up. Even, even though I, I cleared my cash and everything, it just shows yeah. up again. No, because you also watched it and they're like, hey, yeah, you watched it. And it only shows up when you've kind of gone through all the reels that are new, then it pops back. Yeah, and, and it comes back again, like, even if it's an older short, and, if it's and, a very popular and, short. And to go full circle, because this is something that people probably don't fully understand or comprehend yet. One of the major things from people that I spoke with that went on threats, aside from being a, a literal Twitter copy threat, I don't think Twitter threat, Instagram threats, it's a threat. No, it's, but, but that, that's not something completely <laughs> But one of the interesting things that I do want to do wanna talk, tell you and talk about is one of the things they said is like, hey, I'm seeing so many international people in my newsfeed. And this is also something that I noticed with Facebook when Facebook pages decided, Facebook groups decided, let's give the pages also, let's also give them a timeline. So beforehand, and that's why I haven't, I haven't posted anything on my personal profile for Facebook for this year. I stopped posting completely. Basically, it's a, it's a deactivated account because Facebook pages now has timelines. So I can actually use my Facebook page like a profile, which I couldn't do before I, mm -hmm. I had to, it was more complicated before. Now it's like, I use my Facebook page and it's basically also a profile and I can comment and post them. Anybody that posts public, I, I can, I can comment and engage with them. And basically since that happened, Facebook is trying really hard to make it more interest based to tap into my interest. And it's not just, it's, it's doing a terrible job. It's just, it's just doing a terrible job. And that's my major concern with threats. If they don't get uh, hashtags for the threats right and get the proper interest based 
And if they are not able to copy that aspect of Twitter, it's not going to work. It's, it's just not, it's just it's not going to work. Because you can try to make your platform interest-based, but it has to be truly interest-based. Yeah, if it's not a score, it, it, it won't. So, and, and that's, the, that's the interesting part about Instagram threads. If Instagram threads succeeds, it's because they're able to succeed getting the algorithm right for interest-based threads. Because compared to Facebook, Instagram is less loyal to family and friends. That's already yeah. big. Because Instagram, when Facebook bought it, it was that that was the, the, the advantage. Yeah, that was and the advantage. It, yeah, that was the advantage. That's also why they bought it. So if Instagram threads manages to go interest based successfully, then it could win and it could really rifle Twitter. But if they don't manage to get that part of the app right, nobody's going to talk about it in two three years time. Yeah, it's it's a tremendous uphill battle, and I think it's just them shooting their shot with the half-assed effort they put into getting the domain. But <laughs> I I'm just saying something right now, so yeah. algorithm prove me wrong. Yeah. With that being yeah. said, it went surprisingly smooth today. Yeah, <laughs> it was interesting, but yeah, that happens when you talk about social media, so. I don't think I can complain about not loving social media that much. It just generally interests me. Yeah, so it's a different and, type of love. <laughs> and and I'm I'm really getting into more of understanding the algorithms each day and it does have my interest. No, it, it is an intriguing subject, but with any intriguing subject, once once you really dive into it and, and I, you, I, you I, really I, unravel it. <laughs> and I want to say to be honest, there definitely could be a situation where we could talk in an episode in the future and I'd be saying, I am a threats and I'm posting daily on threats as well. But awesome. go full circle, the reason why I'm not doing this is because I think Instagram is at the moment one of the hardest platforms to grow and to post daily. And I think that's also the reason why they jumped in with threats. So we shall see if we're gonna opt in to threads with convos. The oh, we should is there? Oh, we should. But no, we should. Okay, we 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 will. We will. Yeah. Johnny <laughs> just proclaimed it. Okay, we will activate threads, and we'll think about what type of threads we're gonna make. The threatening threads, but some threads. With that being said. This was another amazing episode of Social Convos. The episodes will be released. They are being regular scheduled, regularly scheduled again. They will be released by the end of the month. And we will be back with another episode next week. Yeah. And Tune in. as always, don't forget to subscribe to Diego Amorales YouTube channel. And we'll see you on Instagram. Check us, check us out on Instagram at Convos. See you later. See you next week, same place, same time. Bye-bye.